You said woman. Well, you said ladies. Gentlemen. Ladies, yes. Oh my. Anyway. Kind of. Okay. Welcome anyways. to the fifth episode of <laughs> Sonic Opus. I um, am Dakota Lopez. I'm Kieran Newton. And I'm Anthony Gunch. So, uh, for those of you who are returning, thank you very much. We are glad that you guys like the podcast. I know. Um, enough to sit here for now five hours, or it will be by the end of this episode, and listen to us ramble on about music. Um, ramble on! Yes, ramble on. Um, and anyways, uh, Dakota had an interesting idea that I very much liked, which is for those of you who are not, who are just starting to listen, want to just start listening at the newest episode, we're going to do a little bit of a lead-in, um, like we did on the first episode, uh, just every five episodes. So like 1, 5, 10, 15, 20, that type of thing. I mean, yes, the first one's only four, but still. Um, and so you guys can get a feel for who we are, what we're trying to do, that sort of thing. So, Dakota, why don't you, seeing as you are the uh, the veritable glue of the podcast. Glue. All right, I, I used to live in Miami. I, I lived there until I was 13. I'm... I, I lived with, or I didn't live with Anthony, but I, I was basically his best friend growing up. And I, I then moved to Los Angeles where I met Kieran. Um, hey. That's him. That'll be Kieran. And and we, we, we hit it off pretty well. We we were in a band together for a little bit. We were we were okay. We, we, none, of our, none of our recordings ended up okay, but we liked it. As good as a band of 15 and 16 year olds can be. Exactly. And just recently I... Well, about two years ago, I moved up to New York, leaving both Kieran and poor little Anthony over in Miami. Uh, you uh, left a while ago. Yeah, I know. He, he <laughs> didn't even care at the time. But uh, strangely enough, he, he's Anthony, I mean, he, he literally just moved up and he's living in my basement. No joke, folks. This is like actually legit. He is living in his basement. Yes. He, this is actually his one month anniversary in my basement. It is? Yeah, you, you got here November 5th, it's December 5th. Oh! <laughs> oh my gosh, he's serious. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, um, and Kieran, Kieran not too long ago had a great idea, since we all love music, since we all have such a, a craving to to expand our, expand our ears, expand our palate, and... Uh, not expand our ears. <laughs> Our, the taste of our ears. <laughs> the palate Ex- for our expand ears. Expand our musical horizons. Expand the musical horizons. We we Kieran had the great idea to start a podcast based on a blog account I used to have called Sonic Opus, which was about me reviewing music. But I, I kind of I left it after a little while. But this is its reincarnation, I guess. Yeah, this is just a, an easier way for us to 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 talk about it. Because I mean, music needs to be talked about. I mean, there's you can write about it, yeah, but it's so much more fun to talk about it. And also, like, and the great thing about podcasts, you can have music in the background and stuff like that. So we've had a pretty good four weeks. Yes, this is um in three days. It will be the one month anniversary of the creation of Sonic Opus. And as is usual, uh, we will be starting off this uh, episode with the fifth segment in our musical history section, but before we get to that, about a week and a half ago, actually no, about two weeks ago, we went on our Facebook page, uh, we have a Facebook page, Sonic Opus, if you guys aren't already fans, and a blog spot, which is sonic-opus.blogspot.com, and on each of those pages, there is a donate box. This takes a lot of work to put together and 
trying to collect music is not easy and it's not cheap. And we also are trying to get more fans. And so I started a Facebook ad campaign and that costs money too. And so of course the podcast is free. It will always be free. But if you guys want to donate, if it's, it, it is the season of giving and if you got, and we try and give you guys new music to listen to, if you guys feel as though you like the stuff that we're talking about, throw us, throw us some money. Throw some money at us. A penny, um, a penny now and then. Yeah, exactly. I, we don't need much, but really we're just, we're just trying to get the word out. We're just trying to reach as many people as possible. And we're, def- we're definitely not doing this for us. We're, we're doing it for you guys. We, we want to we wanna help you expand, expand your palette uh, of, of music as well. And by, by doing so, we, we, we're basically asking for a small contribution. So has to do that. Yeah, we're, we're not begging or anything. But yeah, like they said, we're just trying to show you guys the better, you know, music out there. Expand your taste. I mean, we don't need the help because we already know how to do it. So we're just trying to just point you guys into the, the into the direction of what we listen to and what what is good out there you know that there's more than that wall of mainstream yeah exactly and even if you can't donate to help the ad campaign you can just tell your friends all everybody i mean we've been reaching uh, more and more people uh, and people that we don't even know in real life which is really cool so you guys out there Tell your friends about us. If you like the stuff that we're talking about, share it with your friends so that we can reach as many people as possible. And one last thing, if you like any of the music we we put on here tonight, please go to our uh, Blogspot page, sonic-opus.blogspot.com to get a direct link to where you can buy the album. Very cheap, a hard copy, of course. We're very in favor of hard copies here. Mm. You can buy it in in CD or sometimes in vinyl if it's available. At yeah. a cheap price. And the cool thing is, if you really like the album, if you really want the vinyl, you really want the CD, and you want to buy it, please buy it through us. Buy it through Sonic Opus, because we actually get some money from that. And that's awesome. It's like, it's a win win situation, like, all around. Yeah, and it's not like we're giving you links to, like, where it's, like, expensive. We're actually giving you links to where it's, a, you know, reasonable, reasonable price. price. Yeah. Uh, just your your standard your standard old price. Okay. Um, so for those of you new listeners, I and for those of you who've forgotten, my name is Kieran. I lead the music history segment each week, and this week we have been going chronologically, and I am covering this week the late medieval music period, and this is the period from 1300 to 1400 A.D. There's not too much to talk about, but it's some interesting little points. The first thing that I want to talk about is something called Ars Nova. Last week we talked about something called Ars Antiqua, and those are the two main forms that were created in the medieval period. And so, uh, Ars Nova, it's actually one of the few, it has a very clean start, which is very strange in music history or in history in general. But it corresponds with the publication of the Roman de Favelle. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably butchering it. But what that was was a huge comp- compilation of poetry and music in 1310 and 1314. And so this music was also very strange, entirely secular. It actually made fun of the church at some point. And the guy who coined the term Ars Nova to talk about this is a guy named Philippe David Tree. He was a composer in the medieval period, probably the best-known composer of the medieval period. And so he was one of the first composers to use the isorhythmic motet. And an isorhythmic motet is, it means the same rhythmic pattern of notes 
just at different different pitches type of thing. So if you get it, you get it. If you don't, ask us about it because we will respond to your questions. Secular music became a lot more complex and sophisticated, which was entirely new. Usually it was just the uh, religious music that was that that really had a lot of time and effort and sophistication put into it. And the dominant secular genre of the Ars Nova was the chanson, uh, as it would c continue to be in France. Musical forms corresponding to the poetry that they set. That's the Ars Nova. The Italian version of the Ars Nova is called the Trecento. And so, Italian music, this, this is just the same as the Ars Nova, but it was much more melodic and lyrical in character as most Italian music is. It featured what has been called the cantalina style, with the very the, the very high top voice ported by lower voices that were more regular and slower moving, and that was what kind of shaped or molded the Italian music of this period. In Germany, there was something that was just this weird called the Gessler Lieder. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> I have like it's a weird word, really weird. It is German. Uh, yeah, but these people were okay. These were the song the Gesellieder were the songs of wandering bands of flagellants who were apparently just like wandering minstrels in Germany who, and I quote, sought to appease the wrath of an angry god by penitential music accompanied by mortification of their bodies. And then, it's really weird, at the end of the late medieval period, as it is with any musical period, as it starts to transition to the new period, which this transition to the early renaissance, it always gets a little weird. The people decide, okay, this is coming to a close, it seems, how can I make it as weird as possible? And so, they came up with something called the Ars Subtilior, highly stylized, really rhythmic complexity that wasn't seen again until like the 20th century. The, on, on Wikipedia, they have a piece that was in this form, and the music, like the, 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 the musical piece, the, the bars are written in the shape of a heart. I kid you not. It's really weird. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like the the you see the notes and they like they like go up and then down, but it's very confusing. And then there's like the lyrics at the bottom, and very confusing overall. <laughs> and then of course there's the whole at at the end of the late medieval period, the whole controversy over where that part ends and where the next part begins. And so they've kind of decided that the fourteen hundred. A 1400, the year, is a pretty useful marker just for uh, for annotating that because that was really when the Renaissance started getting really big in Italy, and that's usually the considered the birthplace of the Renaissance, and so we usually consider that. So the the main ideals, if we just look at the Middle Ages, the, the main the main changes were the changes from monophonic writing, which is just single tones, to polyphonic which is two or more notes, which we think is, you know, okay, yeah, duh, we have chords and everything. But these were huge, huge ideas. These, these were the types of things that led to the characteristics of the Renaissance, uh, such as like the international style developing and the texture of music developing in really complex and varying ways. That's pretty much it. Oh, I have something really cool. Uh, towards the, uh, just looking at the medieval music period, the influence of medieval music in contemporary music. Medieval music influenced classical rock from 1950 to 1970, um, and apparently a really good. I never really thought about this because I haven't heard much classical medieval music, uh, but it can be seen in songs like "The House of the Rising Sun," and then there are these like bands with mixes of like heavy metal and medieval music like bands called Corvus Corax that was really weird I listened to some of their stuff um, <laughs> and medieval rock which which was bands 
by called In Extremo, Subway to Sally, Morgenstern. It, it's really weird. Those those kind of bands are really weird. There's like pirate rock. There's Viking metal. There's there's a bunch of stupid little subgenres within within the within the umbrella heavy metal. I we 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 apologize to any heavy metal fans. Yes, that's that's okay. all we have to say. We apologize. Okay, um, so that's it for the music thingamajiggy. So, uh, what do you want to hit first there, Tiger? Uh, how about the Black Eyed Peas uh, sixth album? The beginning? Alrighty. Sounds good to me, Brosif. Alright, am I going over it? I think pretty much all of us are since we're... Yeah, let's, let's, yeah. All, let's all get a crack at it. Um... Alright, so this is their sixth attempt at an album. Well, not attempt, they, they, yeah. they actually did come through with it this <laughs> they, time. They nailed, they really nailed this album really good. It was good. I pledge my allegiance To rhythm and sound Music is my medicine Let the rhythm pain It's ups and downs. A lot of the album, a lot of it was very fluent, though. I, I felt uh, it was very much a party album. Very much, a, yeah, yeah. All of us, like the first, like after the first, like run through of the album, you already know it's a party album. First four tracks, you, you yeah. feel they're, yeah. they're the so, first track. You know it's a damn party album. Yeah, the first, the first track. But like after the fourth track, you kind of feel that all right, all the songs are gonna be this one, which, which is kind of. Disappointing. Uh, yeah. That they all are. Simply because there's no variation in the album. It's, there's nothing that really stands out. No, no tracks that really stand out. Although there are tracks that are better than others. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. This album was very hit and miss with me. There were parts I really liked, and then there were parts where I was sitting there and I'm like, why am I listening to this crap? That might be you know a little judgmental but there were some really great tracks i thought they uh their redoing of the time of my life the opening track was really good i liked i really liked uh the best one yet the boy and just can't get enough but like like dakota said it's not it's not a standout album from the black eye feet it's it's certainly i don't think it's a stronger album than the end well, I, I felt it was better put together than the end, but it, it doesn't have it doesn't have the the single power that the end had. With tonight's gonna be a good night and uh, another tracks from the end like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It, it it was just it was a very strange album for me. By the way, what was it? Um, who who released it? Who released the album? Yeah. Uh, check right now. Um, well, he's checking. Um, it was, it, it was an interesting, um, they, they, the beginning is, I, I get where you say that it has coherency, because, um, the beginning is definitely a fitting title. They talk about where they came from, and, and kind of who they are now, and, and things like that, but I, I find myself just not caring that much. I mean, I don't know. Anthony, you really liked it. What was it about it that, that made you really like it? I really liked how it was an album that it was very much, it, it was alive. Like the way that like, there was so much life in this album. It's called The Beginning, right? So yeah. I just feel that it was just like a big, you know, it, it was a party album. It's It was The Beginning. So there was it was like a, a, an album of light, whereas the end was such, was much more of a darker album. Okay. True. 
It actually mentions that in the album, I think, that there, there's like a, this, this narrator this, throughout the album. A, there's a song called Light Up the Night. That makes sense. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe there's some symbolic reference, I don't know. One, one thing I did not like highly was, was the use of uh, the narration in the album. Um, yes. I, I absolutely hated it. I felt that it was um, uh, completely trying to uh, profit off of stuff like LimeWire. You know how uh, I, I hate when I'm listening to other people's iPods and they obviously got they obviously downloaded it legally from LimeWire or FrostWire, and and you hear like the radio in the background. Yeah. Uh, of the track where it's like you're listening to blah 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 best radio station ever and then it goes back to the song that that it felt like they were trying to to play that kind of stuff off with this album yeah no they that that was a little irritating i mean there were just the, it it had coherency but there were parts of the album that because it had coherency it irritated me, and you know, the, that's it's an interesting point that Anthony brought up that it's the beginning, um, and everything like that. And if this was the beginning, if this was like the Black Eyed Peas' first or second album, like we, I'd, I'd be saying, yeah, okay, these guys are really good. I mean, they've got, they, they've, they've got some some definite potential to them. I'm really interested to see what they're going to do in the future. But this is their sixth album. I mean... It feels I, like, it feels, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the end, the, their fifth album. And it feels like they've they found their spot in the pop world, and they're going to stick with it, no matter what. They're, they're, they're incredibly popular. They have plenty of money. And they know what works for them. Yeah. This is what it is. Um, there, there were some some good and bad and, and bad things that they they tried to do with the album. I feel um, I liked uh, all the all the old references to to like older pop songs. Yeah. That 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 probably could have uh, been like pop songs that that helped them in in their beginning of the career, basically. That were kind of a motivation and inspiration to them, and they were trying to bring it back with the beginning. That, mm -hmm. That's a possibility I felt, and I like that. I wasn't a fan of all the auto tune. It wasn't as bad as the end uh, with the auto tune, but um, there, there was. Fergie has a great voice. They put a, yeah. they put auto tune on her way too much. Yeah, more than she needs. Yeah, I can understand a song or two, but the whole song, I, I don't. It's, it doesn't do it for me. Um, yeah, I. You know what though, like. This album, you know, it, it does, it does have one of those first album kind of feels to it. But you know, I really do have to give props to, to Black Eyed Peas, though. I mean, they still know how to liven up. You know, their this album was alive. Yeah, know? honestly, I, honestly, if you play this song in a in a party, you can play the entire. I mean, not the song. You can, if you play this album in a party, you can definitely play, play it from the entire album, from the beginning to the end, uh, and, and, and have a great time. Up. And have a great time. Yeah, I mean, and as a party album, that's I guess it functions great as a party album. I guess I just I've come to expect more. More from Black Eyed Peas. I mean, that this is where having a good reputation can actually hurt a band because now that we know what they can do and that they can actually have songs that are, you know, um, that that are interesting and maybe a little bit deeper. This is. It seems like it was a very easy album. Um, I mean, there were there were f like four years I think I read between um, Monkey Business and the end, and then the beginning came out a little over a year after the end, if yeah. that. Two thousand eight to two thousand ten. Yeah. Yeah, and it just I don't know. Yeah, it was. It's an okay album. It's if you like the Black Eyed Peas, you're gonna like this album. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're gonna like this album if you like. Yeah, I, I believe that Black Eyed Peas is one of the way better pop groups. You know, I'm, yeah, hip hop I, pop groups. They they got it now. I, I yeah. definitely would. I, I would listen to Black Eyed Peas before I listen to some of these other weird pop groups. I mean, there there's. I mean, if you wanna if you wanna hear a good pop group. That's that could probably be better than Black Eyed Peas. You'd have to go foreign. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 and that's true though. Uh, <laughs> you don't get too much variation in America, no. sadly. But I, I think the Black Eyed Peas personify American pop, uh, an American pop uh, slash hip hop group pretty well. Yeah, I think I've heard it categorized as hip hop. Hip hop, good enough yeah. for me. <laughs> All right. So what what tracks did you guys like? Well, I think I already mentioned mine. Right. Um, yeah. I like the the first one. Um, I really, really did not like do it like this. Ah, uh, you mentioned uh, that to me. Several times, I think. But then the last three after that, um, the best one yet, just can't get enough and play it loud. Those really brought the album back for me. Yeah, I I really like play it loud, but my uh, but I really liked the my favorite song in the album was someday the fifth track. Just something about Will I Am's voice and that, and the 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 intensity in which he was he was singing someday, I it put me in a great mood. It, it felt a lot. I think it was their closest song to uh, Tonight's Gonna Be a Good Night, just in the sense of, of the mood it puts you in. It's a completely different song, but it puts you in that yeah. similar mood. Yeah, um, like a like a, a hopeful mood. Yeah, I I agree with um, Karen. I I, I like the first track. Um, I actually did like "Love You Long Time," um, <laughs> and um, I actually liked. I, I think it was Fergie that sang in "XO XO XO." She, I, I loved her voice. Yeah, that was fun. Her voice would. Her voice is a, is like when it's not auto tune. She has the like the best voice that I've heard like you know in the pop group, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she really is. She's incredibly talented. She really is. I, I love her voice. And that, By the way, that song is really good. This uh, week learned something interesting about Fergie, um, that I did not know. Whenever she's talking in any of her songs or the Black Eyed Peas songs, whenever she's talking about her boyfriend, she's referring to Crystal Meth because she was addicted. I came here from the Philippines. Okay. Yeah, no, like, like I was just like, I was kind of blown away. Like, I did not, like... She looks like she was addicted. Random fact. Yeah, random factoid of the day. <laughs> the, the, the first track, The Time, Dirty Bit. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love the part where he broke down the, the Dirty Bit and like, was like, doo -doo, doo -doo, doo -doo. that was great. Yeah, it was Dirty Bit, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I love that. Um... So overall, I think it was a uh, go listen to it if you like that kind of music. You know? yeah. it, 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 it wasn't it wasn't a horrible album, but it, it, it you know it, it, it was good. It, it was good. I liked it. There yeah, was room absolutely. for improvement. Yeah, there was room for for improvement, but I think that I think that you know you know credit it, you know credit I think that there due. yeah credit is due to this album. Okay. So now we have. Forest Swords, their re-release of their uh, EP Dagger Paths. It, it's an expanded. Yeah, it's an expanded edition. Has extra extra really good. Yeah. Um, released on the No Pain in Pop label. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that. Um, this is a really, really interesting album.
it's definitely like my iTunes absolutely immediately knew how to classify it. It's psychedelic. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, it's an interesting album. Um, well, EP. Excuse me. I don't know. It's always awkward for me to have to say EP. Yeah, extended play. Anyway, uh, it's 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 uh, it's interesting. Uh, noting that they're from Liverpool, the same place as as the Beatles, but the sound could not be any different. Yeah, it's the last thing you'll ever think of hearing from a Liverpool uh, of, from a Liverpool band. Yeah, this this is like their sound is like something that you probably hear in like one of those weird countries that are isolated. Yeah. <laughs> racist but it's totally true like you imagine it's like this like slavic country the guys all have like really long hair <laughs> and they just kind of they they go out into the field kill an animal and then make an instrument from its windpipe and use it exactly and it, it felt when i first listened to it when i first listened to the album the the first few tracks i had a very um uh it felt very much like um, Native American music. Yeah, Native a American, bit. like it had like a, a little touch to it. Like the singing in the background definitely like lingered enough to to make you feel like it was some sort of uh, Native American chant or, or something. It was yeah, it was pretty it, cool. It, it it was a pretty cool album. I like the sound of them. The one thing that I did not like was that. There just seemed to be no variation. There's no variation between the songs. It just felt like one long song. Yeah, I, I, I often found myself uh, zoning in and out of listening to it and just thinking. That's that's one thing it, this album is great for. It's no, a thinking album. It's a thinking man's album. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're like, if if you need some alone time to be uh, alone and you know maybe it's a little like bit terrified music. with your thoughts, um, then this is like. The album for it. I, I really like the title, Dagger Paths, mm -hmm. because yeah. I could totally like imagine that it felt very kind of like occult and kind of um, forest, like just like the yeah, yeah, like like the Black Forest type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I could imagine like uh, druids. It, 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 yeah, that's that's what it felt like, like very close to Native American, but like druidic. Okay, you know, kind of like. European nomad. I, I can I could actually really, I do see that though. Like I, I could imagine that like you know as you listen to the album, you know it's got that. Euro sound European to it. nomad. I that that's interesting. I I do hear more. I there there's actually a, a slight gypsy touch to it. Almost. Yeah. More so than druidic. I I feel. Um, oh, see, I don't know. I I liked the movies of like. Alexander, or no, not Alexander. Excuse me. Uh, like uh, King Arthur and like Excalibur and um, the the stuff with. Um, oh okay, yeah. With, yeah. With I, that stuff. And there was a part of that movie where there's like they they had to like go into the forest and there's these like people with long cloaks and animal creepy animal masks and stuff. <laughs> and I can just imagine them like playing this type of music. Yeah, I, I do see a lot more of druidic, you know, feel to it. Yeah, interspersed throughout. Um. One, I saw an interesting uh, description or uh, comparison in in, an, um, in a review. Sorry, uh, of the album, they they mentioned Ennio Morricone's uh, music. Uh, how how the, the guitar works? It's very lingering and it's very dissonant at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with any Morricone, Kieran. Uh, he's the one. Who, I am not. He's the uh, fantastic uh, composer for for films like The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, oh, yes. um, and, and many of those Western films from the oh, okay. the 50s and 60s. And one one thing that he was really popular for was was his ability with the guitar to to create new sounds, basically. And that's yeah. that's something that they really uh, push in Forest Swords. Um, it could be the same riff the entire time, but it sounds different all throughout throughout the entire uh, song. Basically, it's it's yeah. really it's really neat. Yeah. But 
I, and I well, did it like does. That. Oh, continue. Oh, so, I, I did like that, but you know, like I said, I just, you know, there's just no variation. It was like one long song to me. Yeah. But you know, it, it was a good album, though. Well, yeah. It, it and <laughs> it's really interesting. We kind of like talk about um, coherency and dissonance a lot in an album. It's like this album had almost too much coherency. Like, so much yeah. so where, like, I would look down and then I'd be like, oh, this is a new track? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. They could have made the entire album, like, one track, and it would not have, like... You wouldn't have... It wouldn't have made much of a difference. No, it wouldn't have. Pretty much. But, um... It's very much a, um... A, it's an effect album. I mean, it, it, it takes you to a certain physical and emotional place. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't know, I, I liked it. I definitely liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely did too. Um, after a few listens, I almost kind of got tired of it, but I, I listened to a little more. And there's definitely something that you, that, that it leaves you with uh, a sense of like you're waiting for that next uh, chord to drop. You're you're waiting for the next riff to to be strong, and it I I really like it actually. It's I definitely um, I, I definitely tell anyone to listen to it. It was it was a great little EP. It, it had its its flaws, like we said. There's there's very little incoherency incoherency. <laughs> Yeah, it. but um, overall, it was it was really well done uh, from from a band in Liverpool. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, so um, now I'm going to take this moment to uh, explain to our listeners we are actually not doing three album reviews this week. We are taking on a slightly different format. Um, throughout this, we're gonna we're still going to do our big episodes on Sunday with. Um, the history segment and the song analysis, which we're about to get into, um, and uh, two album reviews. But also throughout the week, we are going to um, we are going to uh, review either do an isolated album review, either an album that we just really like, um, or uh, albums that uh, are just classics that you absolutely need to listen to. Yeah, and so we're only doing two now, and we'll make and so the episodes on Sunday, Sunday nights posted on Mondays, um, will be just a smidge shorter. Right. Uh, um, and that's the, uh, for a number of reasons. One, it allows us to um, more continually be in contact with you guys, get more page hits, get more people interested more quickly, um, and also it allows us to go into more in-depth analysis of the album really take our time with it. So, uh, that brings us to the song analysis. Oh, wait, Kieran. Um, what, what, what? Aren't we going over a few albums? Or are we doing what? that? Yeah, we're, we're just gonna do, um, just quickies. Like, you know, not, not in-depth reviews, just kind of, you know, just pointing into, you know, just, hey, listen to this. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, then I'll give mine first. Sure. Okay. Um, so I listened to... We were, we were debating on what to listen to this week, and um, before we decided to do only two, um, I listened to another band, another album by another band called uh, Victoire, and their new release called Cathedral City, um, released on New Amsterdam Records. Really, really interesting. Um, it's... It's it, it's kind of like, but when I was listening to it, it immediately reminded me of Bel Orchestra, um, which for those of you who don't know is very kind of um, symphonic chamber pop, I guess kind of. Um, it, it's just it's just very the closest thing to classical music that I've heard in a long time, um, but it's still got very some very synthy sounds, very electronic stuff in it there um, to make it relevant. And Victoire does that, like, does the same thing, kind of. They just 
Victoire is, um, it's a quintet, it's five people, um, they're from Brooklyn, and they have, they, they're kind of taking a spin on the clarinet, violin, piano trio by adding, they add a lot of different things, they add keyboards, they add double bass, they add, like, different electronics, um, and it's, it's a really intriguing album. Um, if only because I haven't really heard anything this kind of classically symphonic in quite a while. Um, it's a really interesting album, uh, definitely give it a listen. Uh, Vic uh, Victoire, V-I-C-T-O-I-R-E, their new release called Cathedral City. It, it did feel like I was walking through a city of cathedrals. <laughs> Alright. Um, uh, and Anthony and I, we, we've given another album... Uh, the, the time. Uh, it is the seventh album by the Swedish pop singer uh, Robin. That's R O B Y N. Uh, and I think I, I feel that Robin is such an amazing singer. Um, she she personifies the the pop diva oh so well. But it's so much different. It's so much more different than... It's not normal pop. It's not what you hear in America. It's different. It's awesome. It's got that bounce to it, but it's... She, she, I want to describe her as like the Lady Gaga of Swedish culture, I guess. It, it is in English, don't don't get me wrong. Uh, but there's there's something... And although you'll, you'll hear very, very familiar pop hooks, a lot of it is very... Uh, it's it's just slightly different, and and you I think you'll really like it if you're if you're into pop music. I'm not big on pop music. Right? I'll be the first to admit it. But I've been following this this girl Robin for for a little while, uh, and this this body talk uh, is is actually a really interesting um, uh, little take on an album. It's hard to explain. Her her previous two albums were Body Talk Part One and Body Talk Part Two. So you would think that this is Body Talk Part 3, but really, um, Body Talk Part 3 was, was just an EP she released alongside this, this album, Body Talk, uh, and it was a five-song EP, and she took five songs from her first album, Body, part, part, Body Talk Part 1, and, but, and five from Body Talk Part 2, and put all those 15 tracks uh, in Body Talk. Uh, mixed it up a little bit so that it, it had some sense of coherency, and it turned out absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, I've actually, I've never heard her, um, but it, I, it, I, it feels as though I need to. I mean, I'm, everybody is kind of raving about this thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great concept album, I feel. Um, yeah, um, I was just looking, um, a pretty cool thing that I see is that one of her producers, are Royksop, yeah. Oh, we, seriously? Yeah, yeah and they're one. They're in one of her songs too. That's awesome. They're they're in one of her songs on this album, and she she was first featured in Royksop's third album, Junior. Uh, and that's kind of I guess that's what made her really famous in, in the U.S. I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when most of these American critics started following her. Uh, but I, I digress. It's it's a great album if you're really into pop. Check it out. Robin, body talk. Alrighty. Good stuff. Song so, analysis. Yes, we will go into the song analysis, which I realized is actually rather uh, appropriate for um, this week, thinking of your ROR. I have insider information. <laughs> um, but uh, this week we are analyzing what is actually the most covered song of all time. No song has had more other bands cover this than, uh, uh, well, the song is Yesterday by the Beatles. Yesterday All my troubles seem so far away now it looks as though they're here to stay Oh, I believe in yesterday Suddenly I'm not half the man I used to be 
There's a shadow hanging over me Oh, and yesterday came suddenly Why she had to go I don't know, she wouldn't say I said Love was such an easy game to play Now I need a place to hide away Oh, I believe in yesterday Why she had to go I don't know, she wouldn't say I said some Love was such an easy game to play Now I need a place to hide away Oh, I believe in yesterday It's, it's a magical song for so many different reasons, really. Um, I mean, it, it, it talks, it, it talks about like wishing, wishing to be, to, to go back to when things were good. Um, it, so there's a very kind of melancholy feel to it. It, I, I, it's just, it, it's the, it's the Beatles at their best. I mean, what more can you say, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, what, what Kieran, what Kieran was mentioning that uh, it holds the Guinness World Record for most covers ever. There's there's an estimated three thousand recorded cover versions of this song. Uh, oh my god! Followed, uh, and in second would be uh, Eleanor Rigby, also by the Beatles. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and I, that's that. If anything, is is one of the greatest honors in, of all music uh, ever. To, to know that so many different artists have uh, taken such such uh, an emotional stance on on your piece of music um, to make it their own that that's amazing to me yeah Ab- absolutely it's um, and you know it's actually I, I, I didn't know that Eleanor Rigby came in second yeah. um, but I was actually I was listening to it, and they have some very similar themes, at least n- not necessarily lyrical, but definitely musical themes. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got uh, very simple, repetitive lines, uh, lots of really great violin work. Mm-hmm. You leave yesterday feeling like like yeah. Things are hard. We wish it was the way it was, but we're okay with it. Right. It's such a feel-good song, uh, even though it's it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's really really interesting to note about this song, this is the very first uh, Beatles song ever to be rec- recorded in, um, but by one Beatle, and that would be Paul McCartney. He was, he, which, to me, I, I feel is the beginning of the end. But it was such, <laughs> it's such an amazing recording, and uh, the John, uh, Paul McCartney says that the origins of this song originated in his in, in a dream he had uh, while filming a movie, uh, and he he got he just to be able to create such a fantastic tune that so many people have covered uh, in a dream shows shows true dream shows true genius to me. Oh, absolutely. Um, and he, he <laughs> his original title for the song was Scrambled Eggs. Uh, <laughs> the working opening uh, verse was Scrambled Eggs, Oh My Baby, How I Love Your Legs. <coughs> and I'm so glad, I'm so, so glad that that did not stick and that he chose yesterday because that is definitely an improvement. 
It's actually, this song still has such power. I mean, um, we talked about uh, either last week or the week before um, about the Beatles finally getting on iTunes. And all over L.A., I'm sure this has been the way it is in New York, too, but I mean, all over L.A., there have been billboards and signs advertising that they are now on iTunes. Very much so in NYC, yeah. Yeah, and um, the, I saw, actually watched a, a commercial for it and the song that played during it was yesterday and it just ended with him humming at the end and it said like the band that started it all now on iTunes and I felt myself like tearing up like yeah that's just how powerful that song is it's 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 magical it really is um when you listen to that song today it pretty much is defining them because they were the yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost a nostalgic. Uh, it's a, it's the nostalgia of, of it all that really, that yeah, really tears your heart. It, it's a good song because that's a song that you could use for for any pretty, for in for as long as time goes. Yeah, it, it, it's really one of those. It, along with every other Beatles song that becomes. Uh, completely lost in time because um, they they were so ahead of their time and yet th they're still so ahead of us I feel yeah uh, in many ways but um, like uh, I think I I almost feel as though like after the Beatles broke up Paul McCartney played or heard yesterday ever I think he'd just like start crying because <laughs> I think I know I would yeah. absolutely are you are you kidding me like it, it, that's that's a nostalgic song. Yeah, it it is. I mean, y y and you think about that. <sighs> there aren't words. There just there aren't words. Mhm. Mm yeah, just yeah, thinking about it. And this goes really well into my first ROR. Uh, yes, actually. Uh, I. I, I knew from the very beginning of, of the uh, this, these ROR's that I wanted to do a Beatles album, mm -hmm. and I've been trying to debate which one kind of means the most to me. Right now, my favorite album is Abbey Road. Uh, my my favorite growing up was probably Revolver, uh, mm -hmm. but both of those are very cliche when when talking about it uh, as a favorite album or as a as something that you remember. So I'm gonna go with something a little bit different. Um, my, my ROR is uh, Magical Mystery Tour. Magical Mystery Tour. That is such a... Such a trippy album. It's a very trippy album, but it's awesome, though. Oh my though. god. Yeah. That, that was their party album. <laughs> that was their party album, I guess, yeah. Um, I, I remember I was I was in my car, or I wasn't in my car. I was I was in the backseat. Uh, my, my mom was taking her, taking me to... Um, uh, work. It was like a take your kids to work day. I was probably in kindergarten at that time. But I remember I told my mom, put the Beatles on, put the Beatles on. And I, I had my, my dad's folder of uh, CDs in the back seat. So I, 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 I picked that one up. And um, the first track just invites you into to take a ride on the Magical Mystery Tour. And I remember listening to it while I crossed this 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 very large bridge into uh, downtown Miami, and it was it was really cool. And I, I remember that very very clearly. Yeah, it's I don't know the the, the album the album goes from such classic be it, it it really is an amazing album because they are able to draw their already existing fans in with tracks like um, 
All you need is love. Hello, goodbye. Um, and I, I think Lady Madonna as well. And then also push the limits. You know? Right. Um, with, like, Magical Mystery Tour and I Am the Walrus. So weird. The so weird. One thing that I can say about this album, uh, choose any number one track um, in the past five years, uh, number one Billboard track ever, uh, and compare it to any one of these songs, and more people, more more people will remember any one of these songs in this album than any of, of any number one track uh, in the past five years. It's each one is is so particularly special and creative and unique that yeah. they 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 pass through time seamlessly seamlessly yeah there's definitely variation in this album i don't know i don't know I, I, what you said about anybody knowing that uh, each song better i don't think a lot of people know the fool on the hill just saying you don't know the fool on the hill karen well i, I know the song but like it's it's all right. Well, trust me when I, when I say everyone. All right, not everyone. Maybe not. Maybe not our generation, Karen, but anyone else. Ah, uh, gee, damn. A few select in our generation, and everybody back. Yeah. Anyway, what was your ROR for this week, Karen? Um, mine was the fantastic album, um, by Feist, The Reminder. Oh yeah. Um. I don't know. I this this is an album after I got really into big up up tempo happy stuff like uh, Vampire Weekend stuff. Um, I I got into Feist and it just kind of slowed me down and and I I I've really got more emotionally complex as a person by just just listening to this album over and over again. Um, it's got her big her big hits on it. Um. One, two, three, four, of course. time I heard one two three four was on that Apple commercial. The first time yeah. I, I heard uh, Price was was on that Apple commercial for the iPod or the, the new Nano. iPod Nano. Yeah, the one that that you could shake it up and it will it'll shuffle for you. But um, that that song just it, it stuck with me and I, I had to find figure out who that who that artist was and uh, I'm so glad I did. Yeah, I actually heard about her on <laughs> from the Colbert Report. Um, <laughs> Because uh, she was the musical guest one one night, um, but every song it is just it has such complexity and and brilliance to it, and I don't know it's, it, it 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 hits me right. It just it does. It's it's a, a really great album talking about love and loss of love and just being a happy person. And existing as we do, and I don't know that that just kind of appeals to a kid who's just trying to exist as we do. Right. So yeah, I mean, they, they, if you've never heard the album, please, please go and listen to it. It's fantastic. It really is. And if I had to choose a single song off that. Um, to be just the absolute one of my favorites of all time is So Sorry, the opening track actually. And it's such, it's an interesting track to open the album with. It's so, it's down tempo and it's just quiet and reflective. It's, it's, a, it's a great song and it's a great album. And it really, it, it's definitely shaped who I am. So, Anthony. <laughs> When we started the episode, Anthony did not know what his ROR was going to be. For those of you who don't know, ROR is Records of Remembrance, the albums that have kind of shaped our lives. Um, this is the fifth and final segment. So, Anthony, what's your ROR? Um, 
my ROR is um it's not it's not an album from like way back when I was a kid. It was actually something that really was from my senior senior year in high school. And it's um Manners by Passion Pit. And I've noticed, now that I look back into my senior year, every time that I always had the most fun, I was listening to that album. What's a good way about <laughs> it? It, like, I, it, everybody seems to love Passion Pit down there, so someone's always playing it, and I'm always hearing some kind of song by them. So, I just remember one time I was in, I was in the car with my friend, and we were going to this, like, random little carnival thing that they that um that they had at this like mall and um like we were just listening to sleepyhead and pretty much the reeling and you know that album just has so many like awesome songs and it's really it's really heavy and synth but i love it and it defines a good portion of your life uh like like you mentioned with uh high school senior year in high school how fun having fun uh, yeah pretty much and, uh, and yeah senior year in high school is your fun year so yeah it pretty much defines my you know last year in high school <laughs> for some i have reverse senioritis right now and i'm still a senior in high school for those of you who don't know i actually i actually did really good in my last year without pushing too much effort like i actually did my work but like <laughs> Like I, like I, I got all A's and B's without working, without having to work into it. But, yeah. but um, but yeah, you know that album. It really, it really was a, it it really was essential to my last year in high school. It really was, and oracular spectacular. And then when, you know, but that's a whole other thing. But um, you know it, yeah. you know I just. You know, I, me and Dakota found out about them last summer. Yeah. And, you know, I just, you know, I kept on listening to them over and over. But I, like, I had, like, I really listened to them. They're, they're one of those bands that, <clears throat> excuse me, they're one of those bands that you hear you hear the first time and you're like, oh, that's pretty good, but you, you don't listen to it for another month or so. And then, and then you hear it again, and you're like, I want to listen to that again. Yeah, yeah, it definitely <clears throat> was. And actually, <clears throat> this... This ROR, it was a, it was a, it was neck and neck between them and Fanagram. All right, so I think, I think that's it. Yeah. And uh, this is actually an interesting milestone that we've reached because we, uh, that is actually the end of the ROR's. Um, you can only have so many albums that have really affected and changed your life, and. I think five is a is a good round number for us, and so next week we will be covering something new. We will leave that as a uh, surprise, a surprise for you next week. Um, and that is about it. Yeah, we we have a uh, I guess around opinion as to what we want to discuss next week we we definitely want to go into daft punk's uh uh soundtrack for the movie tron legacy oh yeah uh dead mouse's new album four times four equals 12 which it doesn't um good math skills good math skills it took it, it actually took a little thinking like Wait a minute! No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I'm I'm in calculus, and it took me a second too. Anyway, uh, and and the third album uh, we we want to do is we we want to cover the CD release of Sufjan Stevens' uh, wonderful EP. Um, what was it called? Wonderful people or something like that. I forget. all the wonderful people or something like that. You'll find something out like next it. week. Although, seeing as, we're only, seeing as we're only doing two, we'll probably actually do one of those um, during the week. Yeah, probably. M might do the, uh, I think we might do the Tron Legacy soundtrack. That makes sense. At some point during the week. That makes sense. Yeah. 
All right. So you uh, lovely people have been listening to the Sonic Opus and the lovely, delightful, dulcet tones of Kieran Newton. Anthony Gunch. <laughs> I mean, Dakota Lopez. <laughs> and uh, Anthony Gunch. That caught me off guard. I was like, oh, am I supposed to say Dakota Lopez? I was hoping you were. I was going to. But, um, I totally thought, okay. All wait. right, Um, you know. Thank you for oh. following us, and catch us next week. Oh, wait. Really quick, I'll play us out on my Celtic tin whistle. Oh, yes. Lord of the Rings for the win. <laughs>